Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the next episode of the Chase McAndrew Podcast. I'm your host, Chase McAndrew. <laughs> I don't know why it sounded like I was being, like, yeah, I don't know why. That, that, that just seemed weird to me. But anyway, I'm here today to talk about what is my favorite movie of all time. And that's, I'm here to talk about dot, 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 comma. What is my favorite movie of all time? No question mark, period, at the end of that sentence, by the way. Again, don't know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> so, I'm here to talk about my favorite movie of all time, and that is Star Wars, the original 1977 movie. And yes, I call it Star Wars because when I was a kid, it was just called Star Wars on my VHS. It wasn't called Episode 4 A New Hope. Sure, Empire and Return of the Jedi had Episode 5 and Episode 6, but on the DVD, or on the, on the DVD, on the DVD covers, on the VHS covers, it just said The Empire Strikes Back. And Return of the Jedi, it never said Episode 5 and Episode 6 on them. It said Episode 5 and Episode 6 in, in, in the Star Wars crawl, but it never said it on the VHS covers. So I call them Star Wars, Empire, and Return of the Jedi. Because I, can't, I, can't, because I can't just call it Jedi now, because there's two Jedi titled movies in the franchise now with Last Jedi coming out in 2017. So let's talk about the 1977 Star Wars movie. The one that I prefer to watch. The original theatrical cut. I don't have the Blu-rays. I have a three-film DVD case thing jumbo case that has its widescreen widescreen uh limited edition uh version uh really thin uh dvd cases and they come with two dvds all three movies come with come come with two uh dvds inside of them first one is the um the special edition of the film that was uh, released in, in 1997 uh, with all the extra special effects and the bad, terrible-looking CGI and the bad um, jokes and all that that I don't want to watch. I want to watch the original theatrical version of Star Wars, and that is what I watched. That is on disc two of the Star Wars DVD set that I have. Same thing with Empire, same thing with Return of the, of the Jedi. The first disc on both is the special edition version of the movie. On the second disc is the original theatrical version. And I believe they're both, all three of these original versions are, ta are taken from the laser disc, I believe, of the releases of the movies from back in the day. And, yeah, 
I, once again, love this movie. The original Star Wars movie is my favorite movie of all time. I love it. I am in a, I think it may be a rare case, where all three of these movies from the original Star Wars trilogy, at one point in my life, have been my favorite movie of all time. When I was a kid, my favorite as a kid was Return of the Jedi. I started getting into my teen, a, a, a little older in my teenage years, started liking Empire a little bit more. I, I found that the, that the way it was made and just everything about that movie was perfect. And I was like, I think Empire is my favorite movie of all time. And then a couple years ago, I watched them back to, I watched the three back to back to back to back to back. And I was like, nothing against Empire because it's a perfect movie. And I do want to talk about it at some point in, in, in time. But I think the original is still my, is, is, is now my favorite of all time. When I go see a movie, and I'm not saying that Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back don't have this. Because they do. It's just more prevalent for me in Star Wars. And that is escapism and fun. Those two words for me are important when I see a movie. Why I go to a why I go to the movies, why I watch m movies, and why I love movies and television and video games and anime and comic books and all this stuff is fun and escapism. And the original Star Wars movie gives me that. It gives me laughs. It gives me action and adventure. It gives me spectacle. And it gives me fun, and it gives me escapism. And that's what I want in my movies. That is why I love the original Star Wars movie. Because it has everything. The movie was made for $11 million. Which back in 1977 was nothing. It wasn't that much. And George Lucas made this masterpiece of a movie. A cultural phenomenon. Two years before that, 1975, Jaws was the first real blockbuster movie. And I love Jaws. It's one of it's one of Spielberg's best, one of my favorite movies of all time as well. But Star Wars wiped the floor. It said, "Okay, Jaws, I see what you're doing. Here's this," and they just, bam! It just, it was the highest grossing movie, like of all time for years. And plus with subsequent re-releases and everything like that, it made even more 
it made even more money and, and everything. So you have this this movie where nobody on the set took it seriously. The crew didn't, the actors didn't, nobody did, except for George Lucas. And he made this movie for Diddley Squat. He made this movie for Bupkiss. And it's just it's a masterpiece, a cultural phenomenon on how you make something just so great when you put your mind to it and you say, okay, I'm going to do this. What George Lucas did with this m- movie is hands down like inspiring to someone like me who loves film and loves movies and television and all that. It's just, he had so little to work with and nobody was really backing him except for Alan Ladd Jr., who at that point in time was one of the heads at 20th Century Fox back in the day. And you just have you just have this crew out in England that was that that would laugh and be like, seriously, why is there a seven foot like dog or whatever walking through the the set? And why is there this guy underneath it in this dumb looking outfit that he had to wear? That's Chewbacca, by the way. If you didn't. If you didn't no, the big dog, because he's the dog of the franchise, basically. But you have this, this, this great story that Lucas had of, of the modern hero's tale with modern mythology and everything like that, and just and and that 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 also took from the 1940s and 50s uh action serials like Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon and the Errol Flynn films and everything like that and just created something that was that was great it's just every time i talk about this movie it's like i get excited i get, i'm like i want to just Ah, you know, it's just, I love it, man. It's just, I love this movie. I love it. So let's talk about the acting, shall we? Mark Hamill is Luke Skywalker. Was a very inexperienced actor at this point. He'd only done a couple, I think like, um, like maybe one movie before this, and a couple TV shows. So he was very young and very inexperienced at this point. And I think the one movie that he did was a voice role, I believe. Maybe he had another live-action movie part before, but yeah. And he's great in this movie. Sure, he's a little whiny in the beginning, but he 
up for very long. I don't understand. I don't get the. He's a whiny little bitch. No, he's really not. He's whiny for the first like ten minutes that you see him, and then spoilers. Spoilers, by the way. Once Aunt Baru and Uncle Owen are, once you see their dead corpses, which today that's pretty gruesome. Even back then, that's really gruesome. That's crazy that we actually see their bones laying there and their home on fire, which is crazy, or it's crazy that what they could get away with back in 1977. But Luke knows that he's not supposed to be on Tatooine. He's not supposed to be a farm boy with who's helping his uncle with his moisture farm. He knows he's supposed to be doing something else. And he just wants to go to the academy and be a fire pilot. That's all he wants to do, but his uncle just won't let him. And Mark Hamill plays that so well. There's this, it's, it might be my favorite moment in film history. It, 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 it really is. I, it really, really is. Luke is just, he's just like, ah, my uncle won't let me go. What the hell? And he comes up the steps and he's in the Tatooine desert. And he's just, and he walks up and he kicks a rock. Is great touch, by the way, by Mark Ham- by by Mark Hamill. I love that. He kicks a rock, great, and he gets up on this small little hill. And John Williams' incredible music is just blasting, and it's just and he looks out at the dual sun, which is a great effect. Even today, it looks fantastic. The dual suns look a great effect, amazing, perfect. And he's just looking out, he's staring out. And again, the John Williams music is just blaring and it's amazing. And, ah, uh, because he knows he's meant for something more than just, just being a farm boy. And it's such an amazing moment. It's like 20 seconds long or 30 seconds, however long it is. But it's amazing. It's just, ah. Uh, Love it. Love it so, so, so much. Ah, love it. So let's talk about Harrison Ford as Han Solo. Maybe the most iconic Star Wars character of all time. Maybe top three. I'll I'll give him top three. He kills it. I mean, the first time you meet the guy, he's just sitting there in the back of the most likely cantina like a badass, and he's like, "Oh, you need travel, or, or, or you, 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 you need, you need space passage? Sure, I'll give you space passage. Oh, oh, you'll give me fifteen credits? Cool. Let's let's do it. Cool. Let's let's yeah, do it. And then Obi Wan or or Ben and, and Luke leave." Tells Chewie to go get the Falcon ready to go. He meets Greedo after a short conversation of him saying, I don't have the the 
money yet, but I'll have it. He blows him away. Han shoot. Han shot first. Hashtag that. Put that on a t-shirt that George Lucas himself has worn. Even though he's the one that changed it in the movie, but in or in in the special editions, but what? But whatever, man. And then he's just a badass. He just has that swagger and that coolness of a dude who's just been around the galaxy and just he's seen some stuff. And he might have a shady past. He might not. Who knows? But he's like the ultimate dude. You know what I mean? He's just like you want like like you watch the original trilogy and you're like, it looks cool. I want to be Han Solo, man. He's a badass. And then we have the late and the great Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia. Dude, before I knew what a strong female character was, and that's a, it's a whole it's a whole uproar about that now and all that. I just I I was just like, dude, Leia gets stuff done. When, when once Han and Luke rescue her, dude, she's the one that blows the door off off of the tunnel that goes down to the to to the trash compactor, she grabs, I think it's Hans' blaster, and she blasts a couple of tr- tr- troopers away, blasts, blasts the tunnel door open, open, and she's the one, the first one to go down. It's great. She's a badass. She's not just some helpless princess. No, she's a badass. She gets shit done. And Carrie Fisher pulls it off extremely well in this, in this, in, in, in this first film. She's a badass. She's a badass in real life too. She's great. I love her. She passed away. I was extremely sad. She she was my first crush as a kid and she passed away. I was like, damn. RIP girl. Love you. And then you have Sir Alec Guinness. Actually, yeah, I'll do Sir Alec Guinness next. I'll do Sir Alex, Alex Guinness next. Let's do it. Got Sir Alex Guinness as Obi-Wan Ben Kenobi. This dude is the Gandalf character from the Lord of the Rings of the Star Wars, of this, of this Star Wars tr- uh, trilogy. He's great. I mean, it's Alec Guinness. The dude back then was like a hero to everyone on set. Shit, Harrison Ford and, and 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 Mark Hamill were both like, you know what? We we screw around when Alec wasn't on set, but when he was on set, we were professional, or at least more professional than we were when he wasn't on set. And he's great. He is the wise old sage. He is the wise old Jedi guy that knows. This about, about this thing called the Force, and he tries to teach Luke about it, and it's awesome. It's amazing. And then we get to Peter Mayhew as the fuzzy dog, or the walking carpet himself, Chewbacca. I was gonna do him after Carrie Fisher, but then I'm like, no, I'll do Alex Guinness, but whatever. 
Peter, Peter Mayhew, again, rest in peace, and rest in peace to Sir Alec Guinness as well. This guy was the, is the reason why Chewbacca is such an icon of film and science fiction of today. This guy is Chewbacca. As good as Jonas Suatamo, Suatamo, however you say his name is, in the new sequel trilogy, I can tell that he does stuff a little differently than Peter Mayhew. Peter Mayhew, once he puts the head on, dude, he's a completely different person. He is Chewbacca. And he is great as Chewbacca. You don't, apparently on set, he actually, like, said dialogue. When he opened the mouth and everything, he was actually saying dialogue. But then they, but then they just cut that out and put the uh, noise that we all hear in. But it's, he's just, he is Chewbacca. And again, as good as the new guy is in the sequel trilogy, it's still Peter Mayhew, man. It's Peter Mayhew. He's the best. He's great. And then we got Peter Cushing, the late great again, Peter Cushing. Dude's evil as hell. As Grandma of Tarkin. God damn. This dude is just like he he is the most evil bastard in the galaxy. He's great. He just he he's the best. Peter Mayhew in this in this movie is just He's great. When I saw him in the in a couple of the Hammer horror films, I was like, "Hey, that's Tarkin," and 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 today I'm like, "Hey, that's Tarkin." Hey, that's Van Helsing. He's a legendary actor. He's great in this role. He's not in the movie a whole lot, but he definitely, definitely leaves a mark in this film. Now let's talk about David Prowse as Darth Vader. And James Earl Jones as the voice of Darth Vader. David Prowse just, again, the guy is Darth Vader. In the next two films, when the budgets were higher and they could afford stunt doubles, I can tell a few times where it doesn't quite look like what a David Prowse movement is in a couple of the fight scenes, but that's a nitpick, really. But in this film, it's all David Prowse, and it's all fantastic. Like, David Prowse in this movie is intimidating and, and a presence on screen. And combined his presence and intimidation with James Earl Jones' iconic voice, Woo, baby, you have another thing coming. Crazy is, as Mufasa in The Lion King, and other great movies that the man, the man has been in, he will always be the voice of Darth Vader to me. No matter what. He will be the voice of Darth Vader. No matter what to me. That intimidation and presence 
by David Prowse and that voice and what we learn of the character in later films and even in the prequels combines for my favorite movie character of all time. Darth Vader slash Anakin Skywalker is my favorite movie character of all time. He's a tragic he's a tragic hero and it's fantastic. It's fantastic. We got one more thing to talk about in the cast, if you will. And I've already referenced it earlier on. And that's the music. Because, hell, the Star Wars music is basically a, a member of the cast. Because it's as iconic as the cast. The music in this, in, in, all, in all nine of these movies, of, of the Skywalker saga, perfection. Perfection. John Williams, in my opinion, is not only my favorite composer of all time, but he is my favorite, but but he is the best composer of all time. The man is, what, 89 years old? Maybe even 90 or 91 years, years old now? Dude's a legend. I think he has like 50-something nominations at the Oscars. Dude's the best composer of all time. No, no argument. If you, if, you say, if you say there's somebody else, sorry, you're wrong. It's an objective fact. You listen to this Star Wars music, Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park, the Pan music. I mean, I could go on and on. <laughs> I mean, the man is just—he's—he's he's a legend. He's done so much fantastic music. Close Encounters, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I mean, God, just pick any Spielberg movie, and the guy has done is probably done it. I know he's only. I think I know he's only in Jaws. The music from Jaws. I mean, the guy's only done. I think he's done every Spielberg film except for like maybe I think it's three or four, something like that. Like it's insanity. He he's the best composer of all time. It, 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 sorry, it's hashtag fact. It's just what it is. Sorry. So now let's talk about the man himself, the creator of the Star Wars franchise who wrote and directed this film, George Lucas. Now, I might not be a fan of the prequels, but I will always say, you know what? I may not be a fan of the prequels. George Lucas did write and direct my favorite movie of all time. And like I said earlier, I will. If I met the man, I would bow to him, I would kiss his foot, I would kiss his hand, I would kiss his face, I would probably pass out, probably wouldn't be able to talk. It's George Lucas. The man had a a humongous impact on my childhood with, again, Star Wars and Indiana Jones. The man is just... 
he he's a legend of film. And once again, when we lose him, I am going to cry. I will cry. Just like I did when Carrie Fisher passed. Just like I did when when Peter Mayhew passed. Oh my god, I just forgot. I I I literally Wow. I forgot Anthony Daniels and Kenny Baker as C-3PO and R2-D2. He's great. They were going to replace Anthony Daniels' voice with somebody else's. But then they were like, you know what? The voice is really good. So they kept it. And again, his his movements inside the, the 3PO suit and inside that suit and and the voice is perfect. It's fantastic. And even though he doesn't talk, Kenny Baker does a fantastic job inside the suit giving R2-D2 character and spunk and you know, the feistiness that that droid has always been. And he's, and they're both Again, fantastic. But now back to George Lucas. Oh, and R.I.P. Kenny Baker as well, because he passed away a couple of years ago as well. So let's get back to George. I love you, George. Thank you for creating this universe. Specifically, these three films, but again, the universe as well. I love you, George. So let's talk about this movie, the actual movie itself. What am I going to say? Oh yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. Every I, I don't have a single negative about this film, unless we're talking about the special editions, and I can go on for days and years and centuries and, and millennia about my problems with the special editions. But the original 1977 film, I have no problems with it. It inspired me immensely as a kid. And it, and it continues to inspire me and many others to even today. I love this movie. Fantastic. The action is incredible. The sets are incredible. The visual effects are incredible. The first shot of this movie is a small hammerhead Corvette. It's the camera's down below it, and the Corvette comes above the camera. You all know what I'm talking about. And it's getting shot at, and you're like, what's it, what's it getting shot at? This humongous, gigantic Imperial shuttle, or space shuttle, whatever it's called. What, what's it called? I'm actually going to look it up right now, because I literally, I literally am forgetting what the thing is called, because I'm a bad Star Wars fan. Star Destroyer, there we go. Star Destroyer, there you go, Chase. I literally just forgot what the Star Destroyer is called. Darth Vader boards the Corvette, and he's like, where are those plans? Find them, I want them alive. And it's great. First 15, 20 minutes of this film, 
focus on R2-D2 and C-3PO. They get into an escape pod from the Corellian Cor Corvette. They go down to Tatooine. They're in, they're in the desert. They get picked up by the Jawas uh, junk crew uh, tank vehicle thing, whatever it's called. They're brought to the Lars homestead where they live with their nephew, Luke Skywalker, and that's when we meet Luke Skywalker. R2 is cleaning, or Luke's cleaning R, R, R2 and 3PO. R2 has a message for Luke, and it's uh, it's with this girl that we saw in, in the Corellian Corvette. Mm. R2's talking about some guy named Obi-Wan Kenobi that, and she needs, and this girl in the hologram message needs his help, and Looks like, I wonder if he's talking about old Ben. And it's great. And that's when the adventure starts. The next day, they realize that R2 is taken off into the desert. So Luke and 3PO go to, go to find him. They run into some Tusken, some, in, into some Tusken Raiders or some Sand People, as you may know them by the... Those guys with the funny-looking faces and the giant stick things. and You know what I'm talking about. They run into Obi-Wan, or ben, ben Kenobi, a.k.a. Obi-Wan Kenobi. They realize that they, they, they find a Jawa, uh, the, the Jawa tanker, uh, transport vehicle that 3PO and R2 were on and they realized that stormtroopers have raided the uh, Jawa transport vehicle Luke goes back to his house that's when you see the Lars homestead it's all smoked out and on fire and when you see the grisly bones of of Uncle uh, Owen and Aunt Baru on the side of the house, and that's when Luke is like, "Nothing more for me here. I'll go. I'll go with you to Alderaan." That's when they go to the most lively spaceport. You'll never, you'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Perfect line. Love that line. It is great. Iconic line. Iconic line. That's again where you meet Han Solo, and he has his and he has his 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 Han shot first moment with Greedo and all that after his conversation with Ben and Luke and everything and and then they and then they you see a you see a dude with this like long like elephant looking trunk and like these giant like fly eyes and he's and he's and and he's kind of wearing this jacket thing with the hood on, and you're like, what the hell is this guy doing? He's kind of talking into a device, and he's talking in some weird alien language, and you then you realize he's probably works for the Empire, and he alerts the storm 
and he and he alerts the stormtroopers and to uh, Docking Bay 19. I believe it is right, 17 or 19, something something like that. Well, anyway, they find the stormtroopers find the Falcon. They find uh, they're cause they're looking for the droids that uh that crash that crash landed on Tatooine that that Vader's after because they need the plans for something. They don't exactly know what that is is quite yet. They take off in the Falcon. They take off. And then all of a sudden, Obi-Wan starts feeling weird inside the Falcon, the Millennium Falcon, the best spaceship of all time. Sorry. Sorry to the Enterprise A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, R, S, T, U, V. All, all those guys, sorry. Millennium Falcon, best spaceship of all time. Sorry. It's, it's modeled after a cheeseburger. I love that. That is incredible. And you can't not see that now, huh? Yeah, it's modeled, yeah, it's modeled after a cheeseburger. It's fantastic. I love it. And as they get close, and, and so Ben is kind of like, just kind of like gets this weird feeling and then looks like, what's up? And he's like, I just got this weird feeling that that sounds of 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 voices have been silenced. Comes in the Empire. They've just blown up the city of Alderaan, because that's the home city of Princess Leia, who the who the Empire had captured above the Corellian Corvette. Corellian Corvette had Princess Leia and R two and three PO on it. That's when R that's who R two was talking to before him and Tripio escaped off of the Corvette. Leia does not want to give up the the location of the rebel base. She says Dantooine. They check Dantooine. It's too remote. It's it's nobody's there anyway. So she tells them where they are. Tarkin, Governor Tarkin, P, Peter Cushing. Says, yeah, you know what? Blow up all Alderaan any anyway. You see the gigantic laser beam just and it destroys Alderaan, and you're like, what is going on? That's when Obi Wan starts feeling weird and everything, and and then they realize that they're caught in a tractor beam. And they're going through this planet when they get to Alderaan, or what they think where they where they think Alderaan should be. And like I said, they get they they get in, they they get caught in this tractor beam, and they're going they're getting closer to the, to this other planet. They find out it's a space station. Then they find out that that's the Death Star. They got to find the princess. Find the princess. Obi Wan goes to goes to turn the shields off. They find the princess. Getting the Ob Ob Obi Wan and Vader getting their fight or their their old man duel, which is incredible. And then 
Obi-Wan sacrifices himself once they find Leia and everything, and they get back on the Falcon, and Obi-Wan and, and Ben sac- sacrifices himself, and lets Luke, Han, and uh, Leia, Chewie, 3 po and R2 escape, and everything, and, and everything like that, and they get to the Rebel base on Yavin 4, and that's where the ending of this movie happens. The Death Star assault or the battle for Yavin, and they realize that there is a specific hole in the Death Star that if you shoot it, the entire station will blow up. Luke Skywalker, under the guidance of Ben Kenobi in The Falcon earlier in the film, had been testing out his Force abilities a little bit. And then, during the famous trench run, Luke hits it. A couple of the, of, of, of the, uh, (coughs) excuse me, a couple of the, um, the, the resistance fighters, or not resistance, uh, rebellion fighters, uh, try and hit it, uh, they get, they get, they either miss it, or they get killed by, uh, the TIE five fighters in their, in their X-Wings, and their Y-Wings and stuff like that, it's fantastic, it's great, and then Luke hits it, blows up the entire space station, but before that happens, Han Solo had said he's taken off, he's not going to participate in the in in the battle. He just, he just in it for the money. Right before Luke hits the shot to to blow up the Death Star, Darth Vader's in a Tie Fighter. He had a lock on to Luke. Fal- the Falcon swoops in, hits hits Vader's Tie Fighter. It spins out in in into space. And Han Solo goes, Yahoo! Great shot, kid. That was one in a million. million. Let's blow this joint and go home. And they go home, and they're heroes. Metal ceremony. They turn around. Movie ends, which, by the way, that entire time where Han and Luke and Chewie are walking up to get their, their metal... Into, into that crowd. If you go to YouTube and you type in Star Wars Metal Ceremony, no music. Holy crap. That is the most, like, uncomfortable, like, three three minutes ever. There's, if there was no, if John Williams' fantastic music was not blaring at that point, Holy crap, that would be the most awkward theater experience ever. It is so awkward to watch. But again, it's great. With with the music and that end scene, uh, it's perfection. And that's Star Wars. Simple movie, simple premise. They gotta go save the princess. And defeat the Empire. That's it. 
It's perfect. It's great. I love it. Say it again. I love it. I have no flaws with this film. I don't care that it was made in 1977. I love it. Sure. Is this a fanboy review? Absolutely. Is this a biased review? Absolutely. I just wanted to talk about this movie. Because I love it. And that's it, guys. Just wanted to talk about Star Wars. Because I love it. Thank you, everybody. Have a great rest of your day. I'll talk to you all later on down the line.